Hi, Bryce. Welcome uh, to the studio. Uh, good morning. Hello. Nice to be here. Um, your company is, is organizing team buildings for companies like Apple, Amazon, Google, NASA. Uh, quite impressive companies, I think, for which building strong teams is very important. Yes, absolutely. We, we have excellent clients. We're really happy and proud to be working with companies like Facebook, NASA, Google. Um, we, we, we know how important it is for those, those big global companies to have uh, a strong team base and for teams across the world to be able to reach uh, ac across the internet and connect with each other. Yeah. Um, during the pandem pandemic, like many companies, you went uh, with many team buildings virtual, but maybe you already did that because you also had uh, global, uh, global customers. Um, or was it a totally new trend for you guys? It was a totally new trend. Um, prior to March 2020, we did all our team building in person. So we were limited to um, cities in the United States. It was kind of just uh, really luck and also having like a really good base of facilitators, of creative organizers, of creative content makers that made that allowed us to have that transition into the virtual space in March 2020. Um, and it felt pretty seamless. We were able to take the lessons learned from team building in person and turn it, turn some of those lessons into a great virtual experience. And when we talk about a great virtual experience, what makes an online team building or event, it can be broader than, than team building uh, per se, what makes it a good experience? Uh, well, anybody who's had like a, a family happy hour or a friend group chat uh, via Zoom over the pandemic knows that it's really hard to have a fun, satisfying social event online. So we learned a lot of lessons. Um, kind of the big one is that uh, if you're going to run team building virtually, you need someone very organized to be in charge. Um, organic experiences are hard to have online. Mm -hmm. um, body language is harder to read. Communication is harder to, uh, to manage and connect with. So it's really important to have what I call a meeting manager, somebody to, to to facilitate, to MC, to make sure people know what's happening when. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, um, one of the things we believe in, in terms of online team building is this virtual space is very strange because it connects people's professional life and personal life. Um, people are in their own spaces. They're in their houses, they're in their apartment buildings. Uh, and we embrace that in terms of our online team building. So these may be events that people are attending with their colleagues, uh, they're a professional experience, but we, we love people when they show their pets, when they show things that um, relate to their personal life, their hobby, uh, their joys in our events um, and really help bridge that gap between the professional but, but and the how, personal. How, how do you do that? Because the theory sounds very good, but do you ask then, well, uh, show your dog or... We literally do that. We do. So um, if you, you may have just heard my cat meowing off screen, if we were an event and I was hosting it and I was hosting, I would absolutely say, I heard that cat, grab your cat, let me see it. If um, we've had children pop into events and that's great. We just, we kind of bring them in. We, like I said, when it comes to hobbies or your personal surroundings, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll even say, show us the most interesting thing you have within arm's reach. Mm -hmm. People grab things and we talk about them. We ask them questions. Um, we really help teams that may know each other for years professionally, 
see a different side of their colleagues uh, just by kind of embracing that personal life. Yeah, and that's also what you mean with you need that very good facilitator, somebody who thinks about that kind of stuff and also make it actionable. Absolutely. Um, we also follow a um, what we call a scaffolding system. Um, we realize that that it's hard that some people don't immediately want to be big extroverts and share everything about themselves uh, virtually. So we believe in the scaffolding system where we we start with what we call very green light interactions. These are interactions that you would have with little, literally everybody. So if I asked you, hey, what time is it? You you would feel completely comfortable telling me, right? Yeah, That's not no problem That's with not that. Yeah. Um, if I ask you, uh, what did you have for breakfast? That's also a green light experience. That's easy. Mm -hmm. People are willing to do that. Once you've established that trust based with what we call these green light activities, you can ask people to get a little bit more personal, a little bit um, more willing to share things about themselves. So after we've we've had a bit of a rapport, I might say, all right, tell me, um, show me, show me the coolest thing you have within arm's reach. Um, I'm going to grab something with my arm's reach as an example. I pulled a model of a TARDIS. For the nerds <laughs> out there, this is from the Doctor Who uh, yeah. show. And now you know a little bit about me. You know I'm a little bit of a nerd. You know I have, you know, I like Doctor Who well enough to have it within arm's reach. And then after we've, we've upped that kind of uh, personal level, that, that connection, I might ask people to do what I call red light things. So that gets people up and dancing and that gets people like wearing silly hats on their head that just kind of builds the the level of trust and interaction in our events by kind of breaking it down into into these different scaffolds into uh, a way to build trust in a way that feels natural um, and gets people out of their shell slowly yeah i can imagine that that's not easy because I could follow you until the point, grab something nearby. But sure. when you started saying, getting them dancing in front of their camera. I we absolutely get people dancing in front of their camera, but it, it does take, it takes trust. It takes, uh, you can't ask that to do somebody, do that immediately. <laughs> if you log into an online event and the first thing you ask people <laughs> to do is get up and dance or tell me about, uh, tell me about your your biggest accomplishment this this year. That's a lot to ask people. Um, and I've been to a lot of virtual events where they do kind of jump jump into that immediately, and you immediately have people say, "Whoa, what is happening here? That's that's too much for me." And they kind of shut down for the rest of the event. Um, yeah. So by taking it slow, by building trust with the people that you're team building with, by actually like taking the time to build those teams, you can get people to do some fun, silly, wacky things in your virtual events. Now, we've been talking about uh, the host or the moderator, the facilitator, mm -hmm. who is very important, building up that trust. But how does that look like? Is it then just having a conversation or are you already doing team building a game or, or whatever in the meantime? Uh, it's both actually. So one of, for, for my company, one of the things that we warn our facilitators about is that they, they turn into pocket friends. So our, we run 90 minutes events. So for those 90 minutes, that the facilitator in front of you should feel like a friend um, and should be facilitating conversations, asking questions, um, maybe throw like maybe teasing lightly but definitely uh never having silence always keeping the conversation going always being that um 
being that MC, that facilitator for conversation flow. But on the other hand, people, people love games. People like gamifications. If you promise people points, that's absolutely the way to get people up and dancing. Um, if, if we're playing a game together and I say, I will give you five points for your team. If you show me your cat, people will a hundred percent run to get their cat. <laughs> the cat might not like it, but... <laughs> <laughs> The cat's, the cat's doing it for the team. The cat understands how important the points are, too. Indeed. Um, now, you, you, you mentioned 90, 90 minutes. Is, is that a mm -hmm. good time frame to have such a session with a team online? I, I think that's the sweet spot for, for, for online team building. Um, we craft our events so that there's time kind of in a big group where everybody is interacting together. And then people have small team interactions inside breakout rooms. So there's a lot of movement between activities as a large group, activity, smaller activities with teams, um, and then coming back together and talking about what you did as a team. So it's not 90 minutes of staring at a grid of, of faces on a Zoom screen. Um, we, we definitely craft this so people are moving in and out of activities. People are changing up what they're doing. I read a statistic that people's attention span in Zoom meetings is two minutes. So <laughs> that's you have two that's minutes short. To, I was very, it's incredibly short. So we try to do something different every two minutes, whether that's changing an activity, calling on somebody to interact, um, having them get up and do something. So every two minutes, something new is happening to re-engage people's attention. If you break 90 minutes down into two minute chunks, it tends to fly by if you're if you're working on that granular level on how to keep people engaged. Yeah. And is there then also room Because I'm I'm trying to to imagine how how it looks like. Is it then is there also room for for example a, a presentation, um, uh, or is it completely focused on on building the team? Uh, no, absolutely. There's there's time for presentations. There's time for announcements. Um, we we really love a good uh, a good video. We'll show that to break up the 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 time, um, but it. But it all should be in service of kind of creating those bonds, building those teams. So if you're going to have a 15-minute presentation mm -hmm. during the middle of a team-building session, you should also think about how that's going to affect the energy of the group, um, the way their interaction. Um, so even if you're having a presentation, doing some things to engage people's attention, just asking them to type things in the chat. Um, And keep it to a maximum of two minutes. <laughs> Something should change every two minutes. So if you're if you're giving a presentation, you know it's going to take 15 minutes. In your introduction, saying something like, um, where's everybody calling in from today? Where is everybody joining in from today? And just having them type that in the chat is a simple way of like keeping them engaged, giving them mm -hmm. actionable things to do so it's not just passively watching a speech for 15 minutes. Yeah, maybe as a last question, eh? we, we've been talking about 90 minutes as, as being a sweet spot for the, for the length. Mm -hmm. How many people could, could you have in, in, in that kind of session? Because you already gave a clue by saying sometimes you need to break up in smaller groups. I think that's mm -hmm. because yeah, in smaller groups you can do other things than, than with a big group. But what's your idea about that? So our biggest event we've ever done is had 452 people in it. Um, and that took a lot of planning to make sure that all those people were engaged and interaction, uh, interacting and happy. 
but that's that's an extreme uh, that's an extreme um, amount of people. But, so but, we... but take take that extreme example. If you have right. 450 people and you do them breakups, to what group size do you go down then? So when we ran this event, we broke it into uh, we had 45 minutes of kind of a big group activity. So um, we we did have people giving a presentation, giving a speech, sharing a video. And then we played a group, um, a large group trivia. So 452 people playing Jeopardy style trivia all together where they buzzed in their answers. And then what we did is we broke into um, smaller breakout rooms. And by smaller, I mean 40 to 50 people. That's still big, uh, yeah. It's still pretty big. Um, and then we engaged in activities with those 40 to 50 people. Um, so we were managing... Let me do math really quick. It's early. Uh, I think about a dozen breakout rooms of 40 to 50 people, um, but they were all having a similar experience. So afterwards, if they wanted to talk about what they what they did in their breakout room and how it compared, they had a point of common ground mm -hmm. and common conversation. But it does also mean you need to, you need a dozen of facilitators to to facilitate all those tracks. We did, yeah, we 100%. And then in addition to what we like to do, in addition to our facilitator. We want our facilitator to just focus on being that that MC, that pocket friend, that big personality. So they're always supported by what we call a co-host. So mm -hmm. somebody to manage the technology of Zoom, um, to worry about breakout rooms, to answer questions in the chat if somebody's microphone isn't working or they're on mute and they don't know how to get off. So that uh, our facilitator just has to worry about facilitating conversation, being that big personality. They don't have to worry about the organization. Yeah, yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Well, um, you shared a lot of very interesting tips, uh, Bryce. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It was wonderful being here. Um, just a pleasure. Thank you. And you at home, thank you for watching our show. I hope to see you next week.